Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To that show Listen man, I'ma let y'all know right off the top Get it right out the way Today is gonna be a serious sandwich We're gonna start off light Fluffy, just some innocent stuff Then we're gonna get deep Gonna get a little heavy, a little serious And then we're gonna end it off with something light again When we Give our final predictions for the Super Bowl, our actual prediction. So it's going to be a little a little serious sandwich today. Just a heads up, just warning you. But let's intro this thing, man. Welcome back, Cyber Family. Thanks for joining me. If this is your first time, welcome. This is Sometimes I'll Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. I'll be honest with y'all on a side note. Uh, Wally might have to get replaced at some point. That's right. I don't know how willing... Uh, I'm not going to say any names out there because I don't know if I'm in... Yeah, you know what? Forget it. <laughs> I'm not going to incriminate myself. No way. 20, 21 episodes. This is now episode 22. Catch me if you can. <laughs> anyway. How y'all doing, man? Feels good to be back. Uh, Another week. Actually, it's Super Bowl week. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Not paying attention to it at all. Nope. If you you asked me, is there a big event this weekend? I would say, I don't think so. I have no idea. I haven't paid attention. I haven't watched a single interview. Of any of the players. I haven't watched any of the media day. I haven't watched any ESPN. Any anything. I haven't watched any coverage. At all. Why? Because I don't want to be tainted. That's why. I don't want my opinions being swayed. Based off of. Oh, oh, what's going on out there? What's everyone doing? Nah, 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 nah. I stay in my little bubble. Pay attention to what I feel like is important. If something major happens. I'm going to hear about it, right? And I did. We're going to get serious about it because I paid a a, a lot more attention to the uh, Brian Flores lawsuit. And uh, that's going to be the meat of this serious sandwich. That's what we're going to get serious about. I have a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts, a lot of opinions about that. I think it's very complex and complicated. And I kind of just want to open up the conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's dive into it. But first, you know we got to start off with them quick hits. Quick hits, quick hitters. Yeah, man, let's start with, actually, uh, Washington released their new name and uniforms. They are now officially the Washington Commanders. Yuck. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) The name probably on its own isn't that bad, but, like, it just sounds so, um... So, like, second tier, second rate. Like, it sounds like what an XFL team would name themselves. It sounds like what an NFL Europe team would name themselves. It doesn't sound like an NFL franchise. And maybe that's just because it's new. You know, maybe the Jaguars or the Titans would sound the same way if they started up today. But I got to say, I I do like the uniforms, although I don't like the, the black ones. I don't. I think having black uniforms... It's such a, a, a trendy, stupid, overused thing now. 
where like all teams have like a black alternate and it's like sometimes it doesn't make sense like the jets black alternates i really like that makes sense for them to call them the gotham knights i get it you know what i mean batman gotham city is just an analog for new york city so i get it that makes sense for you guys even if the Raiders decided they wanted to do a blackout uniform, I get it. I'm in support of that. At least it's in their colors. But like when you're when you're the Washington Commanders, you ain't got no black in your uniforms. Why you got an all black uniform now? Just cause? Just for fun? Why not go with purple? If we just making up colors now. But I think it's cool. I think the uniforms are cool. I think they're really nice. I think the uh, the new W logo is 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 pretty cool. I'm not mad at that. I mean, it's it's corny, but, like, at the same time, it's like, all right, you had to make the change, right? So it could have been worse is all I'm saying. could have been worse. They didn't go completely away from their traditional color scheme. They stuck with that, and they just kind of modernized it. I liked it. I'm in support of it. So the Senior Bowl happened, and uh, I got to be honest, all the quarterbacks looked bad. In my opinion, there was not a single quarterback at the Senior Bowl that looked good. And I, what I found amusing the most was how the entire week, all of the analysts were trying to, like, praise someone for something. Like, they're all bad. We know that. And not bad in the sense of, like, they can't be good. But, like, ugh. like if you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, good luck. It's, he's not going to play. And if he does, it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. None of these guys are. But I like how they're like, oh, you know, Kenny Pickett showed, you know. Watch the game. I I swear, I watched Kenny Pickett. I watched practice footage from the, the week, right, down at the Senior Bowl. And he was off on, like, all of his throws. He's constantly off, right? It's always behind somebody or low or low high. Like, it's never, it, there's no consistency. It's always off, Right? Willis, same thing. Like, everything that I thought watching, like, film of them from the season played out in that game. Where it was like, ah, the guys with the physical tools showed it. Like, Sam Howell's got a great arm. But he's just no good. Not all there. Carson Strong, great arm, but there's still questions. Uh, Bailey Zappi, to me, is the best quarterback in the draft. Um, him and Carson Strong are two that I feel like are the best. I feel like Bailey Zappi is right now can hit the ground running, could kind of give you like a Mac Jones situation where he's not great, but you feel like, whoa, he was ready to go. I feel like that's what you get with him. Because the, they'll say like, oh, the offense he played with in college, like is that going to translate when he gets to the pro game? Well, the pro game is a lot more wide open now than it used to be. So it's not like you're going from a spread offense and then you're going into a, a – I formation, you know, power run scheme where you got to be under center. It is kind of like spread offenses now in the NFL. They're all taking cues from college. So the transition for him is going to be a lot easier. Obviously, all of these guys need some time before they can reach their potential, but they all look bad. And to me, the thing that stood out the most was they all looked like they were, they all were kind of trying to make it look pretty. Like almost like, like Bailey Zappi threw an interception in the game and it looked like he just, didn't he just lofted it up there like he tried like he was aiming for like a garbage can down the field so he like didn't want to put too much on it but it's like bro let that rip you could watch film from all season long he's letting that rip and he's hitting that guy in stride 
But for whatever reason, he kind of like floated that one. It was weird. It was a bad showing, though. I think for me, it, for me, it just confirmed what I thought. Like this quarterback class is bad. And you can try. I know Mel Kuyper has to and Tommy Shea has to and all the mock drafts have to have a quarterback pick. There's not a quarterback in this draft that's worth a first-round pick. Not a single one. Some of them are questionable in the second round, and that's only if you kind of get wiped out. But if you're going BPA, best player available, it's probably never going to be one of these quarterbacks until about the third round. And they love Kenny Pickett. I don't get it. Personally, I don't get it. Not my cup of tea. But hey, you know, teach his own. Right? So I'll, t- I'll touch on this briefly because we have to do it. Every couple episodes, we have to mention Jake Paul. So apparently, uh, Jake Paul is um, Eddie Hearn. He and Eddie Hearn are promoting the, uh, the Taylor Serrano fight, big female fight. Uh, am I interested? Kind of. But the problem is, is that. I've said this before, watching women just beat each other up kind of makes me feel dirty. And I promise you I'm not being sexist, but it almost just feels like, I don't know. Like, look, I'll watch female boxing. Of course I will. Like, I'm going to watch this fight. It's a big fight. I'm going to watch it. But it it, it takes me a few minutes to adjust. It's kind of like, you know what it's like? I'll say it's... It's not, it's not, oh God, I'm trying to, I'm trying to clean this up. <laughs> it's like when I watched the UFC for the first time and it came across as so brutal and violent and just chaotic and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's such a drastic change from just watching traditional boxing. But then after you watch it for a couple of rounds, you realize, oh, okay, 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 okay. There is, it is organized. There are rules. There are this and that. There is strategy and all that. It's. It's not as brutal as it appears when you just like get thrown into it head first. Right? That's how I feel about women's boxing. Is it's it's different than the men, obviously. And then you have to kind of get past the initial shock of, whoa, they're really like because what I've noticed about the women is I feel like I don't know if it's because the rounds are shorter or there's less rounds, but they are way more active than men. Like, they, they throw. Like, they're throwing punches. They're throwing hard. They're trying to get each other out of there. So every female fight you watch is going to be action-packed. It's going to be all action. And this fight is going to be no different. But anyway, so Eddie Hearn, Jake Paul are promoting this fight because Serrano's with Jake Paul and, and Taylor's with Eddie Hearn. And so Eddie Hearn came out and said that Jake Paul's 100% serious about fighting Canelo. Of course he is. Of course he is. He wants the payday. And you're taking the risk of what if, because as a person, me, myself, I'm thinking, man, what if, what if by some just because it's fighting, right? Like anyone can get clipped. Like Canelo's not above biology, right? There's certain buttons and certain spots you get hit on a man that will just lights out, legs malfunction, just over. There's nothing you can do. If you get hit on that button, lights out. You can't strengthen that. You know what I mean? That that's just that's just human biology. That's just that's just natural, right? So what if Jake Paul does clip him and ends up beating Canelo Alvarez? One of the most impossible thoughts of all time. 
what's to be lost in that fight for Jake Paul? Nothing. He's got nothing to lose. If he gets beat up, sure, I thought I was going to get beat up, and I'm walking away with millions and millions of dollars. I never have to do anything for the rest of my life. I could just become a promoter, which honestly for me seems to be the way he should go. He should he should just become a promoter because he's really good at generating attention for things. But he might not he doesn't have the thing that's worth you paying attention to, if that makes sense. So he can draw attention. But then when you see what he's doing, you're like, oh, this is underwhelming. So if he was drawing attention to others who actually had the ability to provide the action and and give you the substance. That's the way he should go. And I think that's probably where he's leaning. But I only brought that up to say, at this point, I'm hoping it never happens. I hope it doesn't. Let's keep it moving. So there's a lot of rumors, right? So there's not rumors, but a lot of talk going on right now as we're, you know, just literally a week away from the NFL offseason starting. And all the wheeling and dealing and stuff happening. So the Cowboys are in some cap trouble. They're going to be about like $21 million over the cap to start the year. So there's some thought in the idea of they should trade Amari Cooper. You know, if they cut him, if they make him a, a June 1st cut, they could save $16 million against the cap. That's massive. My problem is... You Gallup is 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 a free agent, and C.D. Lamb to me, I understand the appeal. I'm just not sold. I don't I don't know if that guy can carry it. I don't know if that guy can become your number one. I don't know if that's true. I tell you what, man. If Chris Olave sitting there at 24 for the Cowboys, I'd consider it. That's a that's a great number two. And I only say number two because I I question his size. I do. I know I shouldn't, but he's so slight. But man, great route runner, great hands, like willing to do whatever, play special teams if you need him to. Like, oh man. What a dream. I'm off on a tangent. Anyway, the point is <laughs> the point is talking about the idea of trading Amari Cooper for the Cowboys. I don't I don't necessarily agree with it. They're talking about trading them for like two third round picks. A third round this year and a third round next year. But it's like, dude, like, I mean, ugh, what are we doing here? Like, why? I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's a I think it's a bad move. I'm kind of feeling like it probably just stick with what you got, right? Like stick with what you got. I don't know. I don't like the move. I think you keep Amari Cooper. I think if you trade anybody, I would consider trading CeeDee Lamb. Now, I get it's for the money, but man, if you're going to make that move, you better make sure that this is the guy, and I have questions about CeeDee Lamb. That's my point. I'm sorry. I'm kind of drifting because I'm thinking it out as I'm saying it. And, like, I, because it's weird because I get why you do it. I just don't know if I agree with doing it, but I also don't disagree because it's like, yeah, if they trade him, like, whatever. No, no harm, no foul. But I don't know. I just have more questions about CeeDee Lamb than I have confidence, you know? 
So the three-point contest lineup was announced. Uh, so here, here are the contestants. Desmond Bain from Memphis. Luke Kennard. Zach Levine. CJ McCollum. Patty Mills. Carl Anthony Towns. Fred Van Vliet. And Trey Young. I'm going to say this. I, can pr- I don't know who's going to win. But I know who ain't going to win. And that's Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> Now, listen, I understand it's a big man in the three-point contest. Must see. We got to see that. He ain't winning. No shot. No shot. Who's going to win? Patty Mills. I'm going to call it right now. Patty Mills is going to win three-point shootout. Look, this event has overtaken the dunk contest. Nobody wants to see the dunk contest because it's always disappointing because... There's only what, like, what can someone do that you haven't seen? Nothing. So now what they're going to do is they got to start bringing in crazy props or bringing in, like, extra stuff to make it, like, an event thing. And then the dunk is always still underwhelming. So, like, you'll bring in the choir and then you'll just go do a regular dunk. Or you'll put on the Black Panther mask and then just go do a regular dunk. Or you'll bring in the Kia and just kind of dunk over the hood, like... Yeah, you know, like, there's nothing really that interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of, we've seen it already. We've seen it already. But the three-point contest, that's one of those things where you can, every year you can put someone unique in. Like, this year, Carl Anthony Towns is doing it. Like, a center, a guy who's seven feet tall shooting threes. Like, that's interesting. Right? Like, next year, take, you know, female from the WNBA and have her be in a three-point shootout as well. Like, you know what I mean? You could do things to make that interesting. The dunk contest, you really can't. Unless you're going to get the top stars to do it. Unless LeBron's going to do it next year. And it's going to make you say, whoa, I I need to know what he's going to do. Then it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's over for that. But that's it for quick hits. Listen. Let's get in, uh, what is it, was it, about 16, 17 minutes I gave y'all? A fluff? <laughs> fluff. Let's get into some heavy stuff, man. So, so Brian Flores, if you don't know, was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins for the last two years. And he was let go at the end of the season after having back-to-back winning records. Right? Now, not, you know, whatever, not doing anything crazy, but he was let go. And some people feel like, why? Like, he walked into a dumpster fire. Two years ago, they were clearly tanking. Like, literally, to get to it, they were like, we're getting rid of every good player we have. It was very obvious to the world what was happening. We're trying to be as bad as possible so we can get the number one pick, so we can get the quarterback we need, so we can start over. Because everyone says... The quarterback is the most important position in sports. You got a great quarterback, nothing else matters. So what they did was they got rid of everything. Let's stink. We'll get the quarterback, and then it'll be easy for us to rebuild around that quarterback. Unfortunately, they took Tua Tungavailoa. I think that's a bad move. He ain't it. I didn't think he was it in college. He damn sure ain't it in the league. But that's besides the point. So apparently what happened was uh, the head coach 
of that's now of um the head coach of the Giants who was the offensive coordinator for the Bills also is named um also is named Brian. So apparently Bill Belichick was texting uh texted Flores um thinking he was talking to the other guy, mentioned something like congratulations for getting it and Flores hadn't interviewed yet and then realized, "Oh, wait a second. You know, realized the mistake. Belichick realized the mistake, apologized, and then doop, and it let Flores know, oh, you're only interviewing me as like a formality. I have no chance to get this job because you've already hired somebody. So you're only bringing me in because the Rooney rule, also for those of you who don't know, is a rule that says essentially each NFL team has to interview at least one black candidate every every time they have a head coaching opening. So, like, if you're a team, you fire your head coach, you're looking for a new head coach, you have to interview, at least interview, at least one minority head coaching candidate. Now, when the rule came into place, it was one of those things that's like, good. Now these guys will have an opportunity to sit in the room with them and maybe wow them and maybe get themselves a job. Now, it was a point where they weren't even considered. And now the Rooney Rule made it, you have to at least talk to me. And maybe you already know who you want, but maybe I'm so such a good interview. You might go to your homies like, hey, man, if you got a head coaching job, this guy's really good. I didn't hire him because I already had this other guy I had my eyes set on. But, yo, this guy might be good for you. And then you kind of get that rolling in and hopefully you start to level the playing field. The problem is the NFL... It's it's just a boys club where they just recycle the same guys. Do you know what I mean? They just recycle the same guys. So forcing them to say you have to interview this guy, they are they're just gonna go after I I talked about it last week. They need to think outside the box. Everyone just keeps hiring the same guy. Like Doug Peterson's got a job again. Why? Uh, Bill O'Brien's going to get a job again. Um, you got Josh McDaniel got a job again. It's like, for what? Lovey Smith got a job again. It's like, it's just the same guy. It's just the same fraternity of guys, the same names that you feel like have been there, done that, that just get rehired. Even after they get fired, they get rehired. It's just a, it's just a, a cycle. It's the same guys. And every once in a while, a new guy gets a shot. Right? So there's basically like four major allegations that Flores basically put in his lawsuit that, you know, that basically, like, the biggest one for me, like, see, my problem with this is usually, let me, let me start off by saying is usually I don't get into these type of topics like race or things like that because I feel like. I'm trying to provide an outlet of like, yo, let's just focus on what it is and that's sports and it's all silly. It's all nonsense. It's all fun just to talk and laugh and joke, whatever, argue, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's always just sports. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's never that serious. So when you have topics like this come up, it makes it a lot heavier than it needs to be. And it, and it, and it, comes, it gets taken away from the sport. But unfortunately, it also has to be talked about and discussed because it relate it is 
essential to the sport. I'm I'm half black, half white. And so I had the privilege of growing up and spending time with my mother's side of the family, which was white, and also spending time with my father's side of the family, which was black. And what happened in doing that was you kind of learned that the same problem from each perspective, both of them had a little bit of right and a little bit of wrong. They were looking at the same situation, different opinions. Each of them were right in some ways and wrong in some ways. And it was basically just perspective. And if you're on this side and you're looking at it from this point of view, it looks one way. But if you're on the other side and looking at it, it looks different. And so you guys are just fighting each other and competing against each other. But you're just not able to see it from the other person's view. And you don't care to see it from the other person's view. And that's where you have conflict. But growing up that way, being able to see that, like, oh, wow, this is interesting. I'm over here talking to to grandma on my mom's side. And she's talking about this thing that happened in the news. And, oh, man, that's, that's interesting. And then I go to grandparents' house on my dad's side. And they're talking about the same story. But they got a totally different perspective. So I was able to grow up understanding that there's two sides to it and that both sides can at times have a point. I say all that to say, when it comes to this issue, I think we have a tendency way too often to always narrow things down to race. I don't think the issues that Brian Flores is having is because he's black. I don't. I don't think it's that simple. I don't. And you could say, oh, well, you know, he got fired after two winning seasons. I remember way back when, when Marty Schottenheimer went 14-2, and like damn near three straight years, and then got fired. He got fired after going 14-2. and He's not black, but they said we need to change. You know what else comes out about this Brian Flores story? He was also he also claims that he was offered money to tank. The team said, yo, we'll give you $100,000 for every game you lose. We need you to lose these games on purpose. And he said no. Well, I'm sorry. I don't think they're asking you to do that because you're black and they're trying to ruin your reputation. I think they're saying, hey, this is what we're trying to do as an organization. Are you on board? And you said no. And so they said, all right, you out of here. In my opinion, we could look at that and say, oh, if he was white, they wouldn't do that. That's not true because there's plenty of teams that tank on purpose. And I'm sure the coach is scared as all get up that he might get fired. Or if he doesn't, at some point he will get let go because it happens. Just Sometimes you just need to change. And they might be worried about their reputation going to the next team as well. I don't think it's as simple as just, oh, black versus white. When they say, how come there's not more black head coaches? I don't think it's because they don't want black head coaches. I think it has more to do with what is the qualification to be a head coach in the NFL? Does anybody know? Is there a set, are there set standards? Like, hey, we want you to be a position, have at least 
three years of coaching multiple different positions. Then you have to work your way up. Like, there's no route to get there. There's guys that come into the league as, like, a tight ends coach, and the next thing you know, they're offensive coordinator, and then they're a head coach. Some guys come in off the street, and then some guys come from college, and some guy comes from over here, and some guy was just somebody's little cousin. This was somebody. Like, it just seems like there's no consistent. Here's what, we, what we're looking for in a head coaching candidate. It's either A, you know someone who's very well respected in the NFL, and so we hope that you could bring some of that magic, i.e. Bill Belichick descendants, anyone that works for the Patriots, always looked at as great candidates. Why? Because they work with Bill Belichick. Maybe they could bring some of that secret sauce. They could bring that to my squad. So they're always looked at highly upon. Or maybe... You were on someone's staff and they looked at you and said, hey, you come with high recommendation. Or maybe you went somewhere and you had some some success somewhere. Sometimes that'll get you a job. Sometimes it, they always just, who had the best offense in the NFL? Let me talk to that offensive coordinator. There's a million different ways and routes and reasons why somebody might get promoted to head coach or why somebody becomes a candidate. I don't think guys are being excluded because they're of their race. Right? Because I can promise you, I can promise you if Mike Tomlin gets let go by the Steelers tomorrow, he's not going to be unemployed for long. He's going to get hired almost immediately. Like, Ron Rivera was unemployed for about 35 minutes. And then Washington called him up and said, come with us. He's not white. You know what I mean? Like, there's examples of guys that won't just get looked over. They won't just get passed over. They build that reputation. But the problem is, is what? how do you build the reputation? What are they looking for? There's no requirements. There's no qualifications. There's no nothing. It's like just a, blah, like, everyone's ready for their own opinion secondly or i don't even know if it's second it might be third or fourth who knows at this point i'm kind of going on a rant now but i hope my point isn't being lost i'm not i'm not saying what he's alleging is not true and i'm not saying what he's alleging is not a problem let me just state that outright it is a problem the conduct is absolutely a problem the idea of he's in that situation so he's having the conversations with the people of power so he knows so I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm not saying that what he's going through is not racially motivated. I'm just saying we, as a collective human race, have a tendency, especially within the last two, three years, to basically apply the filter of race to everything. And it's like I, I'm always one to say, hold up, before I go there, let me just look at it and see it from a neutral point of view to say, is there any other cause for this rather than just boiling it down to, oh, it's just because he's black? Or it's just because that's a woman? It's just because they're Spanish? It's just because they're transgender? Is there other factors that you could look at and say, yo, maybe it's not just that? Because the reason why I think that way is because if you just boil it down to race, then you can never solve the problem. Because right then and there, you draw a line in the sand and say, if you're on this side, good, this side, bad. And it makes people uncomfortable and people aren't willing to step up and have the conversations. Because you've immediately made it this declaration of, are you on this side or on that side? And nobody's all one thing or all another thing. 
we're all kind of a mishmash. Not everyone agrees with, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't like every Cowboys player. I don't like every coach. I don't like every decision they make. There's some where I say I can't get I can't go with that. When Jerry Jones basically said, if you want to play for the Cowboys, you won't be taking the knee during the anthem, I didn't like that. I didn't support that. Kneel if you want to kneel. Like You know what I mean? It was So I'm just saying, once you draw those definitive lines, it becomes divisive. And then people now have to, first thing they do is start defending themselves. So the NFL did that. They came out and they started defending against the points. Now you're, now you're going into, okay, you, you called us out of character. We're going to call you out of character. Now it's a he said, she said, back and forth. Instead of just dealing with the issue, which is simple. Hey, listen, I feel like the way these, are, these situations are handled, I feel like the Rooney rule is kind of just being used as like, a, oh, we got to do it, but whatever. That's the point. But we're not addressing that point anymore. Because now we're addressing what he's saying. If that really happened, if it was because of race, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yo, we're missing the point. It's already gone too far that way. That's my opinion. That's how I'm seeing it. That's how it's coming across to me. But I'm also weird. But I will also say, for him to feel like you already hired the guy before you interviewed yeah. No one's letting go of their head coach and has no idea who they want to replace him. Hey, newsflash everybody out there. You don't let something go unless you know or have an idea of what you want to do instead. Yeah, yeah. Every job in America. Look, I've been on both sides of that, right? At my job, whenever a position opens up, they have to post it. For 30 days, they have to post it, allow anyone who wants to apply for the job and get an interview. They already know who they want. I've been on both sides. I've been the guy where they said, hey, listen, you want to go to a full-time position? We can move you up to full-time. And I said, yeah, I would love that. That'd be great. This was back in like 2007. I said, yeah, that'd be great. I would love that. You get the benefits. You get the medical benefits. Now all that. Everything's good. You get the 40 hours guaranteed. Cool. Perfect. And they said, all right, listen, we have to post it. You know, you're going to have to interview. We're going to have to interview whoever else posts for it. But don't worry. Like, it's just a formality. Oh, okay. And I had to sit there and listen to people say that they were going to post for this position, knowing that, oh, you're not going to get it. It's for me. They're only posting it because they kind of have to. And I've been on the other side where I'm the guy posting for a position thinking, oh, my God, I got a chance. And then finding out, oh, no, they got there's another. They already have their guy picked out. So you can go do the interview, but you got no shot of getting the job. And I handled that instead of saying, I mean, forget that interview then. I went in there and said, I'm going to be so good, you're going to create a spot for me. And that's what happened. I went in there and I had an amazing interview. And that's not just my words, that's them. I was told, actually, it's the best interview we've ever had. And they, they said, hey, listen, we can't, we don't think you're right for this position, but we got another one we want to put you in. Right? So... Flores, in my opinion, there's two ways you can go about it. You can do what he did, which is kind of get upset, annoyed, and feel like this is the final straw. And you know what? If it's the final straw, it's the final straw, man. I can't tell you that this can't be your limit. If he's reached his limit, if he had throughout this whole process just a bunch of things happening, and this was like, I'm done. This is it. Like, I need to say something. Then cool. 
But the other way of looking at it is also saying, go in there, have such a great interview, present yourself in such a way that they might say, listen, we already got our guy for this, but the next time around, we keep an eye on that guy. Or, you're not right for us, but I'm calling my other friends in the league to say, yo, this is the guy you need to look at. He, he had an amazing interview. This guy would be great. We already got our guy. But to say, like, it's a problem or to say that you even think that, like, come on. They're interviewing multiple candidates. Sometimes they'll interview someone just because the guy they really want seems to be playing a little hardball. So they interview someone else just so they could show, like, no, nah, I'm willing to go in a different direction. You know, negotiation tactics. And they're not doing it with only black head coaches. They're interviewing all white guys and pinning them against each other to get them all jealous and clamoring for the job and doing all that stuff too. Like for me, it's more about that's just the way they do business. If I'm going to let my head coach go, I need to know where I'm going before I have to get there. I need to know who I want to interview, who I'm considering, who I want to call. I need to do all that. Before I let my coach go, it's kind of like everyone says, like, oh, trade this guy. It's like, yeah, but what are you getting in return? Are you going to get something better? That's why they said you couldn't trade Aaron Rodgers, right? Because if you're trading Aaron Rodgers, what do you, what do you have to replace him? It's the reason why they felt comfortable letting Brett Favre finally go and booted him out of there because they had something better to replace him. So that, to me, just seems par for the course. But again... If that's your final straw and he's in it, I'm not. I'm looking at it from the outside. So I'm sure there's probably even more details I don't know. There's probably so much more information I don't know. But for me, it just feels like let's not let's not get away from what the issue is. Because, again, is the issue that it's happening to black head coaches? Or is the issue that it shouldn't happen to anybody? And there you go. The next thing people always inevitably be, inevitably, I can't even speak, inevitably speak about when talking about this subject, when they talk about the black coaches, they also say, we need to get more black owners. How come there's no black owners in the NFL? I can tell you why. That's not about race. There's not a man on this planet. I shouldn't say that. I, shouldn't, I was going to go really extreme. <laughs> the NFL would 100% have no problem with a black owner. But saying we should have a black owner is, well, how is he going to own the team? He'd have to buy it, right? Think about it this way. It's business. All the, the worst NFL team, the worst NFL franchise, after paying all their expenses to run the team, travel, uh, staff, taxes, all that other stuff, whatever, is probably walking away with a couple hundred million dollars every year, Right? And that's not even their main gig. Most of these guys are getting money from other places and other investments and other endeavors. Okay? They're still pulling in millions of dollars a year. Every year. For the rest of eternity. Their kid, when they die, their kids are going to take over the franchise. They're going to have millions of dollars annually coming in because of that. Their grandkids, their great-grandkids, every generation after will have this. And you want them to sell it? For what? How much do you think it would cost to sell that asset that says, my family for the rest of existence is set because of this asset and you want me to sell it? You got to give me a number that makes it worth it. 
And that number doesn't exist. NFL franchises aren't being sold left and right. They're not being sold like hotcakes. People aren't like giving up franchises. The only way an NFL franchise is going up for sale is if somebody gets forced out and has to sell or someone like makes a really, I don't know, just a stupid decision to sell. But they're not up for sale. You can try, you can offer, but the amount of money it would take, again, it's just it's just business. That's an amazing asset. That That is a top tier, oh my God, you hit the jackpot. And most of these guys got in when it was cheaper. When it wasn't like billions of dollars in value. It was a couple million. They got in. It's legacy. It's families passed down from generation to generation. Jerry Jones owns the Cowboys. His his kids work for the team. His grandkids will work for the team. His great grand like it'll that will always the Jones family will always own the Cowboys. And they will be set for life forever. There will never be a generation of Jones that have any issues with money. They they just have this asset that's going to continuously pay them. For someone to give that up, man, you'd either have to be Someone who doesn't want to leave anything to their kids, (laughs) doesn't care about legacy, or just really wants to go down in the history books as that guy who sold his franchise to the first black owner. But I don't know what that price is, but just ask yourself, how much would it cost? How much would you want? How much would someone have to pay you to give up millions of dollars every year in guaranteed revenue for doing nothing, for being terrible? You could be the worst franchise and still make millions of dollars a year. We're talking profit. I'm talking after all the expenses of running the team. You still walk away with millions of dollars. Annually. And it keeps going up. New owners are not coming in. It's hard to come by. But again, it just feels like it always gets boiled down to, wait, there's not enough black coaches. Well, there's not enough new coaches. Right? There's not enough there's not enough fresh blood in the league. Like it's it's constantly being the same guys recycled. And again, I think that has to do with the hiring practices in general are flawed. And I think as a result of that, the more you kind of pare it down to like little subsections, the more that those subsections suffer. But the in totality, the entire infrastructure is bad and so yeah when it's your turn to face it yeah it sucks you're not the only one that got manipulated you're not the only one that was getting offered money to tank you're not this not it's not just you this isn't unique to you it just happened to be you dealing with it this time and look don't get me wrong I am 100% in favor of the lawsuit. I'm 100% in favor of blowing the whistle. I'm 100% in favor of bringing this to light and let's discuss it. But if you're going to discuss it, I think we need to change the, the system rather than trying to change the circumstances for this one case. Right? Don't be mad at the ruling on this particular individual Say we need to reach, we need to jumpstart the whole system because this shouldn't happen to anybody, regardless of race or anything. And if we only make it seem like this shouldn't happen to African American candidates, 
then I feel like it's not solving the problem. It's doing exactly what the Rooney Rule did, which was put something in place to appease the people who feel like at least you now have to try. You're making adjustments now, but really all you're going to do is say, we're just going to put that into the already faulty system, and it's just going to become another faulty branch of the system. You can't make people do things. You can't make people hire you. You can't make people say, hey, I'm going to have an African-American coach. I want a black head coach in my franchise. You can't make them do that. They might not be thinking about, I want a black versus white head coach. They might be thinking, yo, who's the best candidate? And again, what determines how good of a candidate you are? What determines if you're ready? Because Sean McVay was what, like 34 when he got the head coach job? Was he ready? Was he qualified? Says who? That's what I'm saying. And they're like, oh, if he was black, he wouldn't have got the job. We don't know that. You could say that because he's not black and think, well, if the black guys never got hired that young. Like, is that because he was black or is that because, like, he just didn't happen to fall into the same situation? If there's one thing I know, it's this, man. It's very hard to be racist in sports. It is. It is. Because it's like the military, man. Yeah, it exists, right? There's people who are like, oh, like, yeah, I'll, I'll fight with you or whatever, but, like, I'm not going to have dinner with you. Like, yeah, you have some of those. You have those some of those bad eggs. And I'm sure some of these owners are real, like, hey, you know what? Like, I'll, I'll pay you to play, but I don't want to hear your opinion. I'm sure they exist. But if you're going to take the paycheck, you got to you gotta just accept it for what it is. That's my opinion. So Brian Flores, is, if somebody calls him up and says, yo, we want you to be a head coach, if he's willing to take that job, then you, you can't come out and complain because you didn't get the job. You can't come out and blow the whistle on this and say you're willing to, like, sacrifice and, like, if like Colin Kaepernick, to his credit, like, didn't go back. Like, he made the decision, they, they they kicked him out, and then they wanted him to come back, and they said, all right, but we need you to do X, Y, and Z, and he said no. He said, either you want me or you don't. Either these teams are going to sign me or they're not, but I don't need to go about it in the way you want me to. I'm going to go do the open workout. I'm going to do it at this place. You can come see. And they said, no, I'll do it here, and he said, I'm not doing it there. I want to have my people and the people I trust doing this and running this thing just like it was a pro day. If you want to have a private workout, sure, I'll do that because that's, you know, I'll do that for you. But to have a whole spectacle so that you guys look good, no, not doing that. And I respected that. And this situation might be the same. I hope that it doesn't come across as me being judgmental or... I don't know, just saying that this doesn't exist or this isn't real. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, I guess if you boil it all down, all of this ranting, all this serious thing I've been talking about, it all comes down to the system is flawed, which is causing different branches to suffer. And and one of the fruit from the branches is coming out and saying, hey, 
I'm being mishandled and mistreated. And it's not just me. It's others of us on this tree are being mistreated as well. And I'm saying we need to go treat the root rather than just trying to solve this problem for this one or for that one or for that one. Hiring one or two more black coaches in the NFL might make you feel like, all right, they're starting to make a change. But are they or are they just appeasing you? Is Lovey Smith really going to have the opportunity to have time to rebuild a team that's no good? Or are they going to hire him for a year or two and then decide, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction. Thanks for coming. Do you know what I mean? Is Jim Caldwell going to get called back? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, are these are there certain guys where it's like, yo, is, is Brian Flores going to get a call and say, yo, come coach for us? And are they going to give him real opportunities? Or are they going to sit there and say, nah, we're just going to do this to get you off our back for now. And then we're going to forget all about it. I don't know. That's enough serious talk. I'm done with the serious talk. My apologies, y'all. Listen. I don't I I don't know. I like I said I usually stay away from stuff like that because I I try not to get heavy. I try not to get my own thoughts cuz again, I'm not married to any idea. I think I need to stress that. I'm not married to anything. Like I will change my opinion. We can have a conversation. I can go into it saying, "Hey, here's what I think." You could t- we can have a conversation. By the end of it, I said, "I don't know what I was thinking. I was being so stupid." That's just how I am. Like I'm always willing to be like, "Ah, hey, you you're right." Because in most situations, it's, 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 we're talking about life and we're talking about people. And, and, and most people, actually all people, nobody is, is all black or white. And I don't mean that in a race sense. I mean that in a sense of like, you're not just like a robot. Like you, you have complexities. You know what I mean? Like I can ask you a question and you can say, oh, that's. It's difficult. Like, not every question can be boiled down to a yes or no answer. Some of it is like, no, well, I kind of have to explain it a little bit. It's a little more complicated than that. You know what I mean? It's like love. Love is complicated. How can I hate you and love you at the same time? How can I ever look at you like, oh, my God, I can't stand you, but, like, I love you so much? Like, that's a real thing. It happens. How can you have a friend in me? How can you have a best friend and you guys fight, but, like, that's still my best friend? How could you have a best friend you haven't talked to and and forever and then you guys meet up and it's like, yo, that's still my best friend. Because we're complicated. We're humans. We don't think all one way or the other. And I think when it comes to these conversations about race, about ethics and all that stuff, I think it's complicated. And I think it needs to be treated with a, a level of respect and sophistication that says we're not just going to have this argument over Oh, if he were white, it'd be this way. Like, we don't know that. So let's deal with what we know. Let's deal with the information that's presented and try to solve it. So if they're trying to get him to tamper, to get Tom Brady there, and he's like, nah, that's I can't do that, then we need to address the fact that teams are doing this behind the scenes, and we need to stop giving them the grace to do it. That's something that needs to be addressed. That ruins the competitive balance. Just as a competitor on the sports, just as your sports level, we need to address that. Ignore the fact that he's he's a black coach and they're saying that to him and then he got fired and he feels like they wanted him to do things that he's like they he's not the only one they've asked, probably. You could probably do an investigation to find out, oh, this happens all the time. That's all I'm saying. There's a little more have a little more nuance. I 
I hope that made sense. I hope I didn't drag the mood down. You guys still listening? <laughs> if you made it this far, congratulations. We about to, I'm about to give you my Super Bowl predictions. I'm not going to make this long-winded. Look, I said last week the Bengals were going to win by 18. Right? I said it wasn't even going to be close. It was going to be a slaughter in the water. It was going to be one of those where they just pull away and it's like just destiny. Have I backed off of that? No. No, I haven't. I still think the Bengals win and they win big. Right? One of the things I have seen is I have seen that Jalen Ramsey had said that he wants to travel with, uh, I was going to say Chase Young. Well, Jamar Chase. He was going to travel. He said that's nothing new for him. He's been the best corner in the league. That's what he does. And I say, like, all right, cool. That's fine. But this is different. This guy's young. This guy is, is too young to understand that he's too young. Do you know what I mean? That old saying old people say, you're too stupid to know what you don't know. But that's how I feel. And and the thing is, it all comes just it all comes down to energy and swag and confidence. And Joe Burrow walks around and carries himself like, yo, got this. Don't worry about it. We good. The kicker walks around with that confidence. Like, are you crazy? The whole team has that 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 aura of like, I nah, get out of here. I just I'm telling you, I thought it in the first week of the, when they beat the Raiders. I thought this team, something special about this team. And then when they went to Tennessee and Joe Burrow got sacked, and every single time he got sacked, he got up as if nothing happened. I said, oh, this is different. And then against Kansas City, when they got down by so much, and then they just kind of slowly. They made a stop, and then it was another stop, and then it was just another stop, and it was like they just slowly kind of hung around, hung around, hung around, made one or two plays, and then everything changed. It just feels like this is their year. Now, I also will say it's tough because... Because the Rams, man, they got they got they got weapons. They got a good it's a good team. It's a team that was built to win the Super Bowl. Like literally, like we bought everything we needed, all the ingredients to win the Super Bowl. So if we don't, God, that's a massive failure. And if they, if we don't get a Super Bowl from this at all, and this whole era just goes and these guys that age out just are done and we don't get a Super Bowl at all, and our future is kind of shaky now because we're set back because of all the picks we traded, man, what a failure. And it could happen because in in the NFL, like from one year to the next, everything can change. So next year, the route you have to get to the Super Bowl might be completely different. The good teams that were good this year might be bad next year, and the bad teams are now great. And you might be like, you know, you can't count on the fact that we'll be back again because we got the same roster. Like that don't mean a thing. So I just think like, they do have a good team. Stafford, it would be a great story if Stafford finally got you know got out of Detroit, got out of that situation, said he needed to change the scenery, went to somewhere new, went to the best team in the league, and then boom, won a Super Bowl. That would be nice. I, w- I wouldn't be mad at that for him. I know I'm I know I rightfully and you know I have earned the title of a Stafford hater. Uh and I won't lie to you, I'm kind of hoping he has one of those Stafford games where he kind of throws three or four picks. <laughs> I'm hoping it happens just so I can walk away with like, oh, sometimes I'll be right. 
But I honestly think it's going to be uh, a clean game for both quarterbacks. I think Stafford probably throws two picks, but I don't think it, it, it looks as bad as it sounds. I think one of them will probably be like a tip pass, and the other one will be like desperation trying to make a play on like third and 35 or something stupid like that at the end of the game where you're trying to make a play and just picked off. and The game was already decided by that point, but that's what I think is going to happen. I think Joe Burrow comes out, I think, for the first two, three drives. Look, I think I think um, the Rams score in their first two drives, whether that be field goal, two field goals, a touchdown, a field goal, or two touchdowns. They're going to be up on their first two drives. They're going to score. And I think the Bengals don't score in the first two drives. So I think after after each team has had the ball twice, the Rams are up. And then I think from that point forward, all Bengals. That's what I think. They win big. They win very big. It's very uninteresting. It's very boring. Unless you're rooting for the Bengals. That's my official prediction. I think the Bengals win... Ooh, uh, 45-17. That's my prediction. Put it down. Book it. That's my time, y'all. Listen, man, I appreciate y'all coming through listening one more again. Hope you had a good time. Listen, we got a little heavy. Hey, man, if we're going to be a family, we're going to be cyber family. It happens from time to time. You got to go with me on it. Look, man, hope you enjoyed yourself. Listen, if this was your first time, hope you come back. Listen, it don't always get heavy. I promise you, you're probably not going to get heavy for a long time. Listen, NBA is heating up. We had some trades happen. I didn't really get into it because, you know, inconsequential, right? The Knicks are being Knicks again. Look, they're interested in Harrison Barnes. Has there ever been a more Knicks story than the Knicks are pursuing Harrison Barnes? I get it. They say stuff like expiring contracts. I don't get trades in the end. It's like, oh, we want an expiring contract because that's valuable because it comes off the books. I have no idea what you're talking about, man. <laughs> Give me good players. Man, they're so, they so quick. The Knicks, the problem with the Knicks is they never stick with nothing. They're already talking about Obi Toppin might be a disappointment. Like, come on, give them some time. You know what I mean? Give it time to grow and blossom. They're talking about trading Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. They just got there. They ain't even making it to the All-Star break before you're ready to change course. Knicks being the Knicks. Anyway, I don't know. It's like a prediction. I already gave you my prediction. 45-17 Bengals win the Super Bowl. Congratulations. Next week, I'm going to have uh, some stuff for you. I'm going to have, um, I'm actually going to give you my rankings for my top 10 receivers in the NFL draft and who I think should take them. <laughs> also, next week, I'm going to be playing uh, GM for, I'm going to start with the Cowboys. So I'm going to give you a mock draft for the Cowboys. I'm also going to tell you uh, if I were them, what I would be pursuing in the offseason in terms of making deals, trades, letting people go, whatever the case might be. We're going to start that next week. That's going to be the new series we're going to start. All right, listen, man, y'all take care of yourself. Listen, enjoy the game. Drink responsibly. Gamble responsibly. All in all, have fun. Enjoy it. It is just a game. It's just a sport. It's stupid. It's silly. It's fun. Enjoy it. I'll see y'all next week.